Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. ago today she disappeared just moments after a car crash on route 112 in Haverhill, new hampshire today in new hampshire they will remember mara and keep her name in the line sorry you guys i don't know what i could have done i wish i'd have been here Brian Schaefer was last seen at the Ugly Tuna Saluna Bar near Ohio State University campus between 1.30 and 2 a.m. on April 1st, 2006. Amy Mihelovic went missing October 27, 1989 in Bay Village, Ohio. She was lured by what she thought was a family friend to a shopping plaza. She Sunday, October 16th, 1983. The mutilated body of a boy is discovered. Men looking for deer spotted garbage bags near a wooded area on the side of a country road. One of the men told police, I thought I saw an elbow sticking out of the bag, but it turned out to be a leg. Police said the boy's arms had been cut off at the shoulder and his torso had been mutilated with the knife. A woman driving on Highway 98 pulls into a convenience store parking lot. She parks next to a cargo van and she goes into the store. When she returns to her vehicle, the van is gone she notices something in the empty space next to her. It appears to be a Polaroid picture. The West Memphis Three. Damian Eccles. Jason Baldwin. Jesse Miss Kelly. The West Memphis Three. Damian Eccles. Jason Baldwin. Jesse Miss Kelly. Hey, 
Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that is not only celebrating the garage's 100th episode, but also his birthday as well. We have been in the trenches together for 100 shows. He is the big bad captain of our flying garage ship, ladies and gentlemen, Captain Fat Hands. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Happy birthday to everybody. Happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday to me. Tonight, Captain, we are drinking birthday cake dunkel. I think I just took a dunkel in my pants. By the fine people at the Jackalope Micro Brewing Company, garage grade, four out of five bottle caps. Get yourself some birthday cake dunkel, Captain. Treat yourself. It's sweet, light, creamy, and delicious, and it was brought to us by these awesome garage guys and girls. First up Mm -hmm. in Staffordshire, United Kingdom, we have Ross. We were on a break. Also in the UK, we have Anna. Next up, let's go out to the West Coast is the best coast and give a big thanks and big shout out to Steve from San Francisco. Yo, Steve. Put some flowers in your hair, Captain. (laughs) What's that mean? Also in California, thanks to Sindel in North Hollywood. Uh, Her name was Sindel from Bonnie and Sabrina. A big, we like your jib. Bonnie and Sabrina are in Austin, Texas, also in the great city of Austin. We have John and Jess, and they say they love to listen to the show while having a cold one or six. I just have a cold one. That's one cold one. And last but not least, in the big Buckeye state, we have Justin from Akron. Justin is a diehard true crime guy, and he says mm-hmm. the garage is the best. So thanks to everybody for pitching in. On this week's beer fund, and if you want to buy us a round for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And thanks so much to you guys. Happy 100th episode. Who would have ever thought we would have made it this far? Maybe maybe we didn't make it this (laughs) far. Maybe it's all one big mistake. All right. Well, thanks for believing in us. Thanks for letting us uh, spend some time with you every week. And uh, that's it. Yeah. So everybody. We quit. Gather around. Make sure you get a piece of cake. We quit. Grab a beer. Grab a chair. Uh, We're quitting. All right. Why are we we grabbing anything? I'm going to grab this chair and get the hell out of here. Oh, shit. I can't quit. I can't quit you guys. I can't quit you. Every time I think I'm out, they pull pull me me back in. All right. Grab a chair. Grab some cake. Grab some beer. Grab your junk. Let's talk some true crime. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the party. Yeah. We uh, wanted to take just an episode and kind of reflect on our show as a whole. We've done 100 of them now, which Mm, I think it's really important to pat yourself on the back yeah once in a while every now and then and plus we just you know a a big question that people ask often is well well so i think the speculation is that that oh you get to talk about true crime every week that must be amazing it is some weeks it Mm. is some weeks most weeks i would say but the thing here is uh one thing i think that people don't get is that we kind of get eyeballs deep in a new case every week so we have about three or four days to really dive into something. And then as fascinated as we get with some of these cases, we mm-hmm. have to move on with our time because we're back here next week putting out new shows. Right. More content. 
So let's take this episode, Captain, and let's both review what we believe to be our top 10 unsolved cases that we have covered on this show so far. It's a good chance to kind of reflect on things that we've done. And if anybody is late to the party, they can get caught up and check out some of the old cases that we have covered, ones that are near and dear to our hearts. So the trailer that you heard earlier was this kind of compilation of all those different cases. Mm Mm-hmm. So, without further ado, Captain, let's count backwards from 10 down to 1, and we'll review our top 10 unsolved cases of true crime garage history thus far. This is some kind of weird sobriety test. So, first up on my list, Captain, I have at number 10 the very strange disappearance of UMass college student Mara Murray, Mm -hmm. uh, who disappeared in February of 2004. She was 21 years old. This case is over 13 years old now. And it's a very popular case, uh, to say the least. It's been covered by most of the big mystery type TV shows. Uh, it's really, and you know, and I hate saying this because it's somebody's life that we're talking about, but it's very much a movie like disappearance in my mind. Right. Uh, you know, when you first look at it, it's as simple as she leaves her dorm room. She's driving out in the middle of white Hills, New Hampshire, which is basically the middle of nowhere. Uh, She gets in a car accident and then she disappears. And on the surface, that is what this case looks like. But then when you start peeling back and peeling off the layers, we learn that Mara's movements are pretty strange before her disappearance. Things also don't seem to be so bright and shiny with her boyfriend, Billy. Um, We covered this in episodes 29 and 30. Plus, we did quite a bit more information on this case and our true crime addict Mm-hmm. Uh, show which we did uh, episode 31 yeah with James Renner and the the very interesting thing with this case is the strong opinions yeah you know what if you believe this it's almost like you're on a football team you know mm-hmm. like that you believe in the Patriots and if you believe in the Patriots then then we can't be friends and somebody that you know I respect as a interesting author James Renner gets a lot of flack for his ideas I personally do not agree with his ideas on this case but but you know people like they like to shine some hate on people right uh, based off this case it's a very interesting case and a very interesting community around the case the great thing about this case is that there's so many different theories out there but mm-hmm. that can be the bad thing too because not everybody likes to you know when when people sit around and they share their theories about this case it's like you said people have gotten so involved in this thing mm-hmm. that they get very opinionated and when you discuss theories they're they're rather trying to convince you than to just join in the conversation right. and, and me personally I like to sit down and hear anybody's theories and I don't really need them to carry much weight at all when you have a disappearance as strange as this mm-hmm. I think any theory is worth listening to and the thing here with her case, it's it's such a fascinating case because, you know, before she once we learn about her movements, then you create all these other questions. You know, was this was this a suicide? Was this a, a purposeful disappearance? Did somebody abduct her? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. And to be frank, you know, we know she leaves her dorm room. We're not even really certain where she was going that night before she disappeared. Yeah, this is a case that uh, to this day, if somebody sends me a text saying that, you know, here's a new article about it or here's a new episode of a podcast about Mara Murray's disappearance, I will check it out probably that day. Mm -hmm. So big, uh, big interest in this case. All right. For my number 10, 
uh, I have Joey Labute. Mm-hmm. Joey Labute was a kid that went missing. And I say kid. He was know. in his 20s. Right. And he was a out, young man. Out at a local bar in Columbus, a, a bar that I've gone to several times called The Union, uh, he went missing. Uh, his body would la- later be discovered in the Scioto River. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was no punctures or anything. There was no wounds. So how he actually died, there was an autopsy done, and there's still the investigation is still going on. But uh, his father actually reached out to us because we did a, you know, covered his case, mm-hmm. uh, Joseph, and um, that just meant a lot because it meant to me it felt like I was doing something with a purpose. Yeah, you know? and, and it's also really brings uh, makes us aware of the rest of the world around us. You know, we talk about these different cases and there are loved ones out there that are, that still need answers. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they absolutely need these answers. And the thing is, you know, once in a, it doesn't happen often, but once in a while we will get contacted by a family member that stumbled across our show. And, and I, I have to believe that sometimes these people that, that, you know, these victims and their families, you know, there, there, there's a big loss in their heart. And I think that sometimes they wake up some mornings and they may just Google their lost loved one's name right. and see what comes up. And, you know, we may happen to come up in that search. And, you know, it it, it really meant a lot that he uh, that, that his father reached out to us and kind of gave us a, a little bit of a thank you uh, for for covering the case. Mm-hmm. It was a case that didn't get a whole lot of media attention outside of uh, Franklin County, outside of Columbus. Um, it's well, and, and let's be honest. I mean, normally you have. We, we have the white girl syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of like with Mara Murray's case, well, maybe one of the reasons why it's so big. And in this case, Joey is, he is a white male, but he's homosexual. Mm-hmm. And those cases don't get covered as often. And the thing too, you know, he was somewhat a friend of a friend of ours. We didn't mm-hmm. know Joey. Uh, we didn't have the privilege of knowing him. Um, but, uh, you know, somebody that is close to us worked with Joey and had nothing but really great things to say about him. You know, I, I believe we even talked about it in the episode, you know, when you hear that somebody has disappeared or something terrible has happened to somebody, you kind of wonder what circles this person may be running in. And that certainly wasn't the case with Joey Labute. He was, he was absolutely a victim. Uh, somebody, somebody took advantage of a situation and, and ended his life and, you know, we are here in Columbus. This is a story that we're not going to let go away. And and hopefully the local media stays on top of it as well. Well, and then back to it, you know, the idea that, you know, we spend a lot of time and energy and effort. And, and yeah, there's part of the show that is a show. We mm-hmm. kind of have these roles that we play, uh, you know, or kind of not roles that we play, but kind of things that just kind of happen naturally. You know, I'm the guy that interrupts with some, sometimes some dumbass comments, but it's to lighten the mood to, you know, so when we're dealing with this heavy stuff or whatever, but you put all this time and effort in and sometimes 12 hour days, sometimes 15 hour days, and to actually feel like you're doing something that maybe makes a difference, you know, it means a lot. Number nine on the Nick list, we have Photograph, uh, episode 37. Mm-hmm. This is about the very strange Polaroid photograph that was found in a parking lot in Port St. Joe, Florida, back in June of 1989. 
a very strange case. Uh, the, this woman woman finds a photograph of what appears to be a teenage girl and a younger boy bound and tied up, and they look very afraid. The crazy thing is, we don't. There's nothing more to this photo than just what you see in the image, and it's a it's a haunting image, as well as one that you when you do see it. You will stare at it and you will try to pick up on little clues trying to identify these people. Are they actual victims? Are they being held hostage and for right. what purpose? Is it, is it a hoax? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think there's a lot of questions to this one. One, is there a victim? And it, and and if there is a victim, then who is the victim? And one thing that was pretty neat after we covered it, you know, we posted the picture and a lot of the listeners checked out the picture. Some people seeing it for the very first time Mm -hmm. and some people contacted us with little, you know, little things that they noticed in the picture that we had not had not noticed and and reported on the show. Yeah. And a lot of dissecting of the T-shirt that the girl wore. Yeah. Trying to pick up, pick up any type of identifier regarding these, these kids and where they may be located, where they may be from. All right, my number nine would be Matrice Richardson. That would be episode 75 and 76. So when we start doing the Mm two-parters, I think this is a case that could definitely be solved. And I think um, there's a lot of law enforcement involvement and a lot of law enforcement covering up in this case. And I think with her you know, strong family uh, pushing to the forefront and maybe more people covering this case, I, I think this one is something that could actually be solved and maybe in the next year or so, maybe we'll get an update on this case. Yeah. I, I applaud her mother and father for keeping this case active. I think you and I might've disagreed a little bit on this case. It's, it's extremely fascinating. I have no clue how she ended up where she did. Yeah. Simply this girl goes out to dinner mm-hmm. by herself. They arrest her cause she's not going to pay a bill. When they take her into the station, they eventually let her go. And uh, then she kind of goes wandering, and she's never heard from again. Uh, the problem with this is that the mother came out and said, hey, don't let her go. Right. You know, they were in contact with her family members. So it just seems like, you know, law enforcement dropped the ball. They they said they often. wouldn't let her go, too. Like, right, yeah. right. Yeah, it just seemed like this, this one is very frustrating. And I think it would be covered a lot more often. I mean, let's just say it. it's a, it's a black victim, I think, because she's a black victim the case isn't as covered as often as it should be. And the thing, Captain, you and I, we always have law enforcement's back. We we are, mm-hmm. you know, big on backing the people that keep us safe. The thing here is, though, I, where I think we disagreed, you, you kind of lean towards the side of some maybe police involvement in her death or disappearance, where I I certainly, my thoughts were that, that, they're just not doing the work that they should do. Uh, I don't know that there's that they're involved in the death. They could be. There's mm-hmm. evidence to point to that, but they certainly aren't. I don't see the effort being made to solve this case, which angers me. Number eight on my list, I have Tony Muncie. Uh, his his full length name is John Anthony Muncie. Uh, he was last seen October fifteenth, nineteen eighty three. His body was found shortly after that, dismembered out on a country road. Now, this is a case that most people wouldn't be very familiar with. It's uh, not something you can find on the Internet very well. Um, It was our bonus episode that we covered. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this case is one that is always in the back of my mind. Um, This is I've been to the location where the body was found. I've studied maps of, of the way that the roads were at the time. Um, He has these files on it that are 
super thick. This this is a case that to me uh, should have been solved. There there were certainly were some good suspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crazy thing here is, you know, we have this disappearance and then the the murder of this boy, and it turns out that we learned that there's some pretty bad dudes in the area at the time, and we covered them in this case. You know, mm-hmm. one one of them. I won't go into all of it because we have just a limited amount of time here today, but. One in particular, we have Timothy Hall, um, who was sentenced to 15 years to life in prison for the murder of an elderly man. And uh, this guy is a guy that I kind of keep tabs on because every couple of years he comes up for, for parole. Um, now, I'm very happy to report that at the last parole hearing, uh, the, the people, this is, what they, this is what they said about Timothy Hall when they denied him parole. They said that he is the worst of the worst. And he poses a deadly combination and he possesses a deadly combination of pure evil and insanity. Now this guy will be up for parole again in August of 2018. Um, I'm hoping that he is somebody that they keep behind bars for a very long time. Cause he's an extremely dangerous person, certainly capable of having killed Tony Muncie. Uh, remember he was the one he became under suspicion because he was the one that was seen in his cell talking to a person that wasn't there mm-hmm. and, and calling him John. And it's, it's thought that he was speaking to the ghost of, of Tony Muncie, his murder victim. Well, and this is one we spent a lot of extra time on. I mean, one, all the research that you did for it. And then, you know, this was uh, probably an hour and 40 minute episode. Mm-hmm. This before we're doing any two parter type things. And, um, yeah, and then there's multiple trailers in it. It's it's pretty interesting. I'm, it's definitely something I'm proud that we produced. It's one of my favorite episodes. Number eight for me would be Johnny Gosh. So uh, I think I feel like a social justice warrior, which I'm not. I'm not, and I I'm not a big fan of social justice warriors. You know, just saying uh, the politically correct thing or or whatever. But the thing that I was thinking about the Johnny Gosh case is one. I was a paper boy. Mm-hmm. So I have a connection there. You know, a kid goes out on his paper route, goes missing. There's possibly, you know, uh, a sex trafficking ring that's involved. And, but what, what I love about this case was his mother, you yeah. know, that there was, there's a, there's a documentary on this and his mother is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And I think she's a different breed. And I think a lot of people didn't cover this case or, or, not even cover the case, but I think a lot of people start saying, yeah, she's a different breed and she's a very strong female. Right. And therefore people call her crazy. Hmm. And I think, and I think that's, that's the thing that drives me nuts about. That's what I sound sound like a social justice warrior. That's what I sound like. But I think if it was a father doing it, it wouldn't have happened that way. It wouldn't have been oh well, this guy's crazy. I think she was uncovering stuff that people just don't want to hear about. And when they don't want to hear about something like that, they start using the stupid word conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, this is just a conspiracy. She's just a wackadoo. She's not a wackadoo. She's a strong female that, you know, her son went missing and she's going to fight until her death to try to figure out what happened. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah, some of the things she's done and said are a little out there to me, but at the same time, you got to keep in mind, this is a person that has dealt with a traumatic thing in her life that none of us can comprehend. The thing that I love though, is that she, like you said, she's going to, she's going to fight to the end 
to get this thing solved to to try to figure out what happened to young Johnny Gosh. Right, and like I said, at the end of the day, if it was the father champion for you know the to find out what happened to his son, people wouldn't be calling him crazy. Number seven on my list, I have April Tinsley. This was way back in episode seven, Captain. Seems like uh, quite some time ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, this I'd was- say it seems like yesterday, but no, it, it feels like... It feels like we've been doing this show for 10 years. Yeah, th- this was the young girl that was abducted near her home in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, and her body was found on April 1st, 1988. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just a strange coincidence there. Her name is April. She's found on the first day of April. has always been very eerie to me. But this is this, too, is one of those cases that outside of the lines of Indiana, not a whole lot of people know about this case. And it's it's a terrifyingly fascinating case because we have we have a killer uh of the worst kind who has gone on to taunt the the neighborhood and taunt the the public in the um and further terrify the public by leaving notes and threatening letters and claiming responsibility for the death of april tinsley Mm -hmm. uh this is a case that's always fascinated me the thing here too is we got dna on this guy Right. Um, so it's a very solvable case. It's just a matter of finding the right match. Well, I think any time that you know a killer taunts you know the the public, it's like what better case to have solved to say, hey, we got you. Yeah. You know, uh, this one. I also think we missed a couple things in this episode. Well, we were unaware of. Uh, there was some detail about her shoe. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that that he had he had taken some of the shoes and left them elsewhere and to further back up that he was the killer that left those notes he he kind of reminded them about the shoes something that only the killer would know this guy though man you know he leaves her body way back in 1988 and then he goes on to leave a note on a barn in 1990 and then in 2004 he's leaving notes in mailboxes of uh, of homes of little girls and leaving a note on the bicycle of a little girl in the area, this is a this is a very scary person. Mm-hmm. So April Tinsley, that is your number number seven, and that was way back in episode seven. Yeah, coincidence. Number seven for me will be Kurt Cobain. Uh, this was an episode that I was really excited about doing. Um, if you go back and listen to the trailer, I actually uh, adapted. Uh, smells like teen spirit mm-hmm. and kind of twisted that around. So if anybody's interested in that, you can kind of hear the melody kind of faint in there or the idea of that tune faint in there. Uh, inspired by watching soaked in bleach. I, I thought that was a really fun documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was never a huge Nirvana fan. Um, but you know, he became such an icon. I thought, well, this will be an interesting case is fascinating enough though. It's a case that I feel like we dropped the ball on. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like when we, when I look back, you know, I wouldn't tell some if somebody said, "Oh, well, this Kurt Cobain case, should I check that out?" Nah, because nah, I think I think when we went into it, I think one, I think your m- mind was made up on it, on what happened, yeah, or, or what the evidence kind of points to, and I just feel like there was this whole conspiracy side of things. And it's not a conspiracy. I mean, here, here at the end of the day. This this lady, this you know, Courtney Love, she had a lot to, you know, gain or to lose if they were to get divorced. Right. So, 
anyways, I think there's a lot more to the story. And it's not that it was like bad that I thought it was like just a garbage episode or anything. It was just, it was just the one of the ones at the end of the day when we put it out, it was like, ah, oh, this would be good. And then a couple of weeks later, it was like, yeah, we could have done a yeah. little bit better on that. And, and I didn't mean to disappoint you, Captain. I, I, you know, I do think it was a suicide at the end of the day. However, you know, there's millions of people out there that are saying this was a murder. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm not going to lie. There were plenty of questionable things out there. And there is some evidence pointing the other direction than what I was thinking. Yeah. And I just, I think that's the thing is I think when you have evidence leaning either way, I just think we could have done a better job of presenting the other side of things. Number six, I have the Austin yogurt shop murders, uh, 14 age girls killed all shot. Um, two of them were 17. One was 15, one 13. Uh, two of them were shop workers. Uh, this case is, is extremely intriguing to me. Um, I, I think that there's, there's a lot here. This is a very famous case in, in Texas. We covered it in episodes 81 and 82, um, discussing some of the serial killers that were in the area at the time that have fallen to become suspects in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, we also talked about the, the uh, four teenage boys that were brought up on charges and the strange confessions that, that were, that took place um, yeah, very similar to like a West Memphis three type thing. Yeah, these were very aggressive interrogators. Uh, come up with confessions. Two of the guys end up getting convicted, and then those convictions later get overturned. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, an extremely intriguing case. One that I do think w- can be solved. the The problem is the evidence because the fire was set. Um, but we still have that question of, there were a couple people that went into that shop that night that have not been accounted for. I think that's where you're going to find your answers. Number six for me will be Emma Philipoff. This is a girl that went missing in Canada. Those episodes 52 and 53, uh, as we're making the, this list, I, I find that, I'm uh, missing person cases really, seem to be your thing. Yeah. I think it's just the, you know, if somebody you know, it's sad if somebody gets murdered, right? And they get taken off this earth. But at least we know that. And we at least we know that their life ended. There's a start and there was an end. And I think the fact that somebody just disappears off the face of this earth, uh, I think that brings up so much questions. And then, you know, when I, after my divorce, um, I, I dated this very, well, not, I can't even say it was dates, it was a very similar situation where I start hanging out with somebody that's very artsy, very unique, mm-hmm. and you become kind of infatuated. And Emma had a, you know, people call him a stalker, mm-hmm. but a guy that was pretty infatuated with her. So just the whole story uh, seemed a little familiar, but I'm rambling. So let's get to this right after the beer break. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. 
Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. 
With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Do you think that the disappeared cases tap on your brain a little more than the others because there's so many questions about them? Or is it because there's still that, that small hope of, of something good happening at the end, that there, that it could be a positive outcome that the, the person could be found and is happy somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think part of that, but I think it's just the what if game. Mm-hmm. I think my, my brain likes to play that game. All right, number five, I have Brandon Lawson, uh, episodes 85, 86. Um, This is the, why is this one going to be on my list? Well, it's the 911 call. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is the 911 call. Um, This this young man leaves his home uh, just before midnight back in 2013. He calls 911 in a very... Very strange call. It's it's hard to understand what he's saying. He sounds he sounds scared. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, Captain. The, the, hearing the 911 call frightens me. Um, right. And also trying to decipher what he's saying is really the big mystery because I think every one of us, when when it first hits our ears, when we first hear it, that we all think, you know what, I'm going to be able to pick up on something that somebody else didn't hear. And I'm going to know what happened to Brandon. Now, mm-hmm. you know, now Brandon was kind of this, he, he was kind of, he, he comes, I don't know him, but he looks to me like kind of a tough guy, you know, kind of somebody that could handle himself that wouldn't be easily frightened. Mm-hmm. Um, and he saw something out there in the dark that night that sounds to me like ter- it terrified him. And to this day, we don't know where Brandon is. We can't find his cell phone. There's been no activity on his bank accounts. It's, it's one of those cases that's haunting. Well, and the fact of the matter is that we have evidence that he called after he'd left the scene. Mm-hmm. And that's another wrinkle in the mystery. Number five for me is Adam Walsh, which technically this is noted as a solved case, just like with the Kurt Cobain that is marked down as a suicide. In your defense, mm-hmm. uh, just like the Kurt Cobain case, I think there's millions of people out there that would argue that it's not solved. So, that that's that's getting your back right there. Right. So Adam Walsh, uh, we we know John Walsh from America's Most Wanted. It was his son. He was at you know going to play. It was just uh, that case to me was very nostalgic. Thinking about like the Art- Ataris and stuff, and and being about the same age, you know, roughly around that time period, and just growing up in the eighties. 
So a little nostalgia there. But for me, um, the interesting thing was, you know, when we started this thing in the garage, you know, we always talked about true crime, but it was always, well, you're the true crime guy. You know, this is, I, I enjoy talking and I can write music and I can, I can record it and I can produce the show, but you know, you got to take the lead as far as the, the research and stuff goes, but I would always dive into the cases. I always help direct the shows, but this one, I, I remember telling you, Hey, this, this Jeffrey Dahmer thing has some weight to it. Mm-hmm. And I remember at first you going, no, probably won't talk about it much. And I remember thinking, eh, well, I, th- I think there's some more here. So I dove into it. And, and this is what really kind of sunk the teeth in for me on this case. It's claimed to be solved. It's claimed that he was murdered by Otis Tool. Mm-hmm. There's also, we got a lot of hate mail because people go, it's Otis, you stupid. It depends on who you talk to. It's Otis. If the, if, if the family members of the dead kid says it's Otis Tool, yeah, call him Otis Tool, mm-hmm. dummy. Um, that's how it works. So, but I think for the, for me, it was the it was the eyewitnesses at the mall ten years later, seeing Jeffrey Dahmer being arrested in, in Milwaukee, Milwaukee, and they're uh, they're a hundred percent sure that they saw him at the at the mall, mall that the day. day that he went missing, and I think there is really something to that, and then also just a fascination with somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer, kind of ties that in, and I think. And then there's there's this uh, uh, this whole other speculation that Adam Walsh is not dead. Yeah, the, that that and, has come about quite I, a bit. Yeah, so it, it's definitely a case for me early on. You know that, that has fascinated me. Well, and I'll tell you what, I remember watching the made for TV movie uh, mm-hmm. way back when. You know, I was very very little when that came out, uh, but I remember watching it and being so young. You know, maybe my parents shouldn't have been letting me watch something like that. But horrible I, parents. I remember being so young and it being so crazy that I didn't believe it was real. I just thought it was a movie. You know what I mean? I saw it on TV. And then the, the terrifying thing for me is fast forward 10, 12 years later, and I'm reading about true crime all the time. And I stumble upon this case and I realize that movie that scared me enough when I was a little kid that I remembered parts of it. Uh, still as a teenager, right? Realizing that it's oh my god, that's a, that's a real case. That really happened. Those were true events. Number four for me, we already talked about Mara Murray. Oh yeah, uh, we started doing the show, and uh, I, t- to be honest with you, I mean we've talked about this before. I haven't listened to many true crime podcasts. Uh-huh. I was just like, what? You know, here's the thing: we both were podcast lovers. Yeah, right, and still you just. Are. Oh yeah, yeah. What's your favorite right now? Um, well, you're top gonna, three. I'm gonna be laughed at. You really want me to get <laughs> laughed at? Yeah, it's better you than me. Well, we're two weeks away. F- well, well, we're one week away now from the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. So Cleveland Browns Daily is my. There I'm still go. the idiot that's drinking the Kool Aid that thinks that someday something's going to happen with this team. They're not going to be a laughing stock. So. Around this time every year, I start listening to that. I love True Murder. Everybody knows that. I love True Crime Garage. Um, 
I, I listen to my own show every day. <laughs> um, you, you know those guys in the garage are great. No, actually, number three for me would be maybe a little known podcast called Rippercast. Hmm. Um, I've I've been intrigued by Jack the Ripper for many many years, and it's a it's a pretty random show because they don't have like a regular schedule. They just pop up an episode every now and then. Uh, but they've been covering Jack the Ripper for years, years. So those are my three. My top three right now. Uh, well, I listened to the Missing Richard Simmons. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad for that guy. Uh, I thought uh, S-Town was pretty good. I would have produced it better. I thought it was entertaining. It was very entertaining. I just think they could have produced it a little bit better. Uh, but I'm always listening to Joe Rogan. Or or Adam Carolla, but my my new my new favorite one that just cracks the shit out of me. I mean, and I need to stop listening to it because I'm, I'm probably do his cadence. But congratulations by Chris D'Elia. Mm-hmm. That shit is so good. <laughs> well, I, you know what, Captain? I knew that Mara Murray would be higher on your list for you than it was for me. Not because I don't I don't find it you know to be an interesting case. I mean, obviously it's on my top ten here. Mm-hmm. But for you, man. You were wrapped up in that thing for it felt like two months. Like every yeah. time I showed up to the garage, he, he was like, Mar Murray. And, and listen, I mean, I was calling people. Listen, what I, was I just calling found schools. out. I just talked to this person. Mm-hmm. They said this. I just found this bit of information. Mm-hmm. And, and every time we're getting in the garage, I'm going, Yeah, but we're working on this other case here, Captain. <laughs> right, right. We, we got to move on. Yeah. And when, and I met a lot of people in the true crime community through that. And like I said, there are some nut, nut jobs that are connected to that case. But, you know, we, we met, you know, when we first started doing the show, we met our, our good friend Aurelia and she was the one that said, yeah, you guys, gotta, you guys got to do social media. And I was like, what do you mean? Social media? We're, we're not doing social. Now I take a selfie every two seconds. Number four for me, captain, uh, Brian Schaefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this case was what <laughs> this case had to be. Well, covered. I'm just going to jump to my three. You're, th- you're going to jump to your three? Yeah. My number three is Schaefer. Oh, okay. Well, then let's so, just talk about it right, together. Right. We uh, The captain's weird about these lists. He he will he will view mine, but he never lets me see his list in advance. I'm changing There's, I go. <laughs> he's making it up as he goes. Yeah. No, but Brian Schaefer, um, and when I say it had to be covered, it, we were just... We live in Columbus. He went, he disappeared from, uh, from the ugly tuna saluna mm-hmm. in Columbus. Uh, it's, it's become, it's hard to know how famous this case is because we're in the heart of it all. Um, but the thing here was we, we covered this just before the 10 year anniversary of his disappearance. Well, it was one of the cases that really people started talking about our podcast because we covered this case. And the thing is you couldn't go, you know, it was every few months you'd be somewhere and you would hear somebody go, Hey, remember that guy that disappeared from the bar downtown? Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever happened to that guy? And it was it became one of these cases here where it's almost urban legend. You know what I mean? It's it's the guy that disappeared from the bar downtown, and at some point, unfortunately, people forget the guy's name uh, and forget what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you could you could be in a bar talking to somebody, and they'd say, "Yeah, they found Brian Schaefer. He was so and so. He was at this place or that place." Mm-hmm. And it was a case that locally has not gone away. It's um, it, like I said, it's almost become some bit of a of an urban legend. Well, and that's a popular area of campus. And, and the thing for me was, you know, that whole area of campus changed. It used to be grungy and gritty, and now it's kind of a little more posh. But it started becoming posh when they put the ugly tuna in. 
but uh, in the last couple years, I've played down there a lot. So I go through the same garage that he drove to. I park in roughly the same spot. I walk through the same doors. And it's something that I can't get off my mind. And that's one thing that I don't think a lot of people get. When you've walked the ground, when you've been to the location where somebody was had disappeared or where a body was found, mm-hmm. the case takes on a whole different angle for you, doesn't it? I mean, it, it's once you, when you can see the place, when you can see the layout of things, you yeah. kind of understand or have a better understanding of what may have happened. Um, you know, and, and what a lot of people don't know, we haven't, we didn't really talk about this much, but uh, we had a company from Australia come over. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Rolls for Sam is the name of the company. Company, production company that they listened to our show. They believed in us as individuals and talents, and they came all the way from Australia. And they, we did some recording as if we're shooting a documentary about the Brian Schaefer case. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they took this material and they've actually shopped us to different networks and stuff like that. So we met a whole other team. That's why when you hear cheers mates, mm-hmm. that's not us. <laughs> that's that's because we, 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 we became <laughs> friends with a bunch of Aussies yeah. and, uh, and, and we've done a lot of work with them and, and had these ebbs and flows of the whole, are you going to have a TV show or you're not going to have a TV show? We don't really care if we have a TV show. Yeah. We got but, podcast faces. Broad, uh, Brian Schaefer case was way back in episode 16 and 17. If you, if you haven't heard those, uh, you know, the other crazy thing here is, you know, cause some people speculate that he, that he took off on his own, that he wanted to start a new life elsewhere mm-hmm. and he chose to disappear on April 1st, April fool's and, day. And that's what, where you originally thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when we first started looking at it, you kept on saying to me, no, I, I, I think he wanted to leave. Yeah. And I, I kept on saying that doesn't make any sense, but you know, like I said, I played up there so much and I, I pulled this up. It was, it was, I don't, I don't know if this story is interesting to anybody, but I play at that world of beer and I'd be in the corner, which is right across the street or right across the walk. Yeah. Just across the walkway. And this really old security guard would mm-hmm. come in and he'd order food from him. And uh, he kind of always look at me like, yeah, you're doing it. Playing some, so I pulled him aside one gig and I just, I was looking around and I was taking pictures and I think I was posting them on Instagram and stuff like that. And I just asked him, I said, Hey, uh, you know, the guy that went missing, he said, Oh yeah, yeah. He said, uh, but that's all Hollywood stuff. And I said, really? I said, Oh, what do you, what do you mean? And he said, well, he said, well, they, they make it seem like he was Harry Houdini, you know? Right. Just disappeared. He just disappeared. And because the craziest thing about that that case is that we got video footage of him going in the bar. Yes. And we have video footage of him, of him walking around talking to people. Stumbling around but pretty we don't drunk, ha- having a good time. Right. The, but the main exit was to go down escalator, and we should have seen him. Right. But if you study the film, there's no Brian Schaefer. And he was just saying that, yeah, when they reported on it and when people talk about it, they always say, well, there was cameras everywhere. Yeah. And he just said, look, those cameras didn't work. Yeah, and, and there and there was a bunch of blank spots, and because the building was new, and he was just saying that that if if that guy wanted to leave, he could have left, and nobody would have seen him. And there's probably a bunch of people that left that bar that night that are not on film. And the crazy thing too, you know, I 
I wasn't down there in 2006 when he disappeared, but I went down there many years later, just happened to be there meeting people um, and remembered, oh, yeah, this is where Brian Schaefer went. He had missing from Mm -hmm. and looking around down there. The thing that shocked me, because you're right, the the, the TV shows made such a big deal of not seeing him exit the bar. The story was always, well, he walked into a bar and never was to be seen again. Right. Uh, But the first thing I noticed down there Mm -hmm. now, I don't know the workings of the building, but there's a lot more doors on that building than I expected to see yeah. uh, after having heard the report. Well, we know my number three. Uh, number three for me is Amy Mahalovic, um, the 10-year-old girl from Bay Village, Ohio, who disappeared in October of 1989. Uh, she was. It's believed that she was lured to a shopping plaza by a person who was pretending to be a friend of the family, that she was receiving some strange phone calls leading up to her disappearance. And unfortunately, her... Uh, murdered body was found in February of 1990 in Ashland County, which is mm-hmm. quite a bit of a drive from Bay Village where she disappeared. For me, Captain, this the reason why this will always be a case that's with me is she was my age, um, and this was really the first time I remember watching some of the news footage when they were looking for her mm-hmm. uh, on TV. And it was kind of the... The break of the age of innocence for me as, as a, as a boy, um, you know, where, where somebody, you know, a girl, my age in my home state, nobody can find her. And then when you find out months later that she's been killed, it was really kind of, it was kind of an awakening for me that, that these things do happen. They're not just in movies. And, um, you know, I've been to I've been to where she You're disappeared from. Pretty naive from. as a kid. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, keep I it watched right. this movie and then I realized it was real. Yeah, but and then I saw this thing on the news and then I realized it was real. Well, uh, let me put it into better perspective. I was trying not to date myself so much with the Adam Walsh thing, but I was probably five when I saw that movie. Uh, You're it, still, it, it, this is not real. And as far as Amy Mahalovic goes, her and I were the same age. I was ten at the time when she went missing. I don't think that that's... I think it's no secret that we're a bunch of old dudes. We're extremely old. I got my AARP card <laughs> on me right now. No, uh, but but to me, this case will always be with me. It will always be in my mind. Um, I've seen the picture of the person that they think was last seen with her, the drawing, the composite drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one of those people that I think that I've, you know, at the corner of my eye, sometimes I think that I saw the guy. Uh, the crazy thing to me, Captain, and this is going to sound absolutely crazy to everybody out there, mm-hmm. but I've driven from the the plaza where she was last seen to the area where she was found. Um, it's supposed to be like a 50-minute drive, and I got to tell you, it felt like eternity driving that route. Uh, the thing here is... I think, you know, we've seen some new evidence come out with this, potential new evidence. I think this could be solved. Um, I I think that think that I'm rambling right now. <laughs> I'm a rambling guy. Rambling. Rambling. <laughs> I've always thought and will always think that somebody from the Ashland area, Ashland County, where the body mm-hmm. was found, I think the person that was responsible for this terrible murder lived in that area at the time. The drive to me just felt so long to have, uh, to have a victim in the car with you 
that you would have to be heading to a point for a reason other than just to dump the body, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, here's here's some little backstory. Here's a little uh, behind-the-scenes two-crime gay ranch. Uh-huh. Uh, probably a year before we actually started doing the podcast, I remember you, would, you were telling me, I'm going to drive to listen to this author speak. Yeah. We've known each other forever, but it's just... It's funny because you have, and I admire this about you, but you have all these hobbies where I've never had hobbies. Like, well, you play a lot of music, right? But it's a job. You know what I mean? Like, I, I normally just turn my hobby into a job, and then it's like, okay, well, I play music. And but you always have all these interesting hobbies. You know, you always do a a bracket for the NCAA. You do fantasy football. You have all this stuff, and you're like, well, I'm going. You always were into true crime. And you're like, well, I'm going to go listen to this author talk. Yeah. Cut to a year later, we're having that author come in and to a studio for you to do, do an interview with him. Yeah, and if I could give a personal recommendation out there to our true crime fans listening, if you ever have the opportunity, and it's actually, it happens all the time, you're just unaware of it because you don't search for these things. But these true crime authors, they travel around and they give talks from time to time and you get mm-hmm. an opportunity to meet them or to hear their story uh, it's, it's, a, it's one thing that I've done for years. I do it a few times every year when one comes around or, or if I have to go up to Cleveland or Cincinnati to hear somebody, but it's incredibly fascinating. I recommend if you have that opportunity to check something like that out. Well, and, and you, you know, I heard the name James Renner because of the Mara Murray case. Mm-hmm. Now I don't agree with a lot of stuff that he says, but I do think he's a great author. Mm-hmm. He's a great storyteller. And when people want to talk, whether he's a journalist or whatever, I don't, I don't care. But at the end of the day, it's hard to write a book. At the end of the day, it's hard to spend a bunch of time and energy looking into a cases. Yes. I understand that people put blinders on sometimes, but so we have him come to this recording studio and we record a couple different interviews with this guy. Yeah. And it was kind of cool to just go, okay, well that's kind of cool. Nick gets to. That'd be like me meeting some famous jazz bass player. I'd be like mm-hmm. geeking out. Um, so I got to see James Renner and Nick, just two true crime dorks, just going at it, dorking it up. Oh, I mean, it was like God. I had to like put on some boots to way through all the dorky shit. It was just. But the Amy Mahalovic interview, I I left the room. Yeah, I was like, well, and all the Captain haters at the time probably were like, yes, this is such a better episode. And I sat in the other room with a, a producer friend of mine and we turned the volume off and we didn't listen to the episode. So when I get the files back and I actually created the episode, um, you know, I, I normally post the show and then I listen back. So I was listening back and we started, uh, you guys were doing the interview with the Amy Mahalovic case and uh, it was just crazy because like about five minutes in, I was like, this shit is fascinating. Well... I wouldn't claim to be an expert on on hardly anything at all, but, but definitely not. <laughs> but one thing I would say, um, outside of the Bay Village law enforcement and maybe some FBI agents, I, I would argue that few people in the state of Ohio have spent more time researching the Amy case than James and myself mm-hmm. uh, separately. Which what what was so great for me was getting the opportunity to kind of discuss uh, his thoughts and my thoughts at the same time. The thing too is, you know, I. 
I really enjoy James Renner because of his work that he did with the Amy Mahalovic case. He was the first person that started putting names and started coming up with suspect names. Nobody else had done that up until that That point. That son of a bitch made it on this episode again. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's hard to listen to yourself. And so anybody that, you know, it's just, it's frankly just ridiculously silly when people go, you got a sexy voice. Uh, no, 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 no. Because when you hear back yourself, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe that's why it's one of my favorite episodes because I'm actually not on the episode. That's episode 22, by the way. Yeah, the I mean, that case. is a, a fascinating story. Number two for me is the Long Island serial killer case. Mm-hmm. Um, we've probably, I, I know we've done, we recently did the four parter with the boys on the tracks. Um, so, you know, we did four parts on the Long Island serial killer. Well, side note with the boys on the track, the reason why that's not on my list is because I believe that the evidence is there, that the case is solved. There's just no justice there. Right. I agree 100% with you. Uh, but as far as Long Island serial killer goes, I mean, this, this is a case that of course wrapped up the nation's attention. Uh, mm-hmm. it, but it's crazy that somebody has been killing this amount of people, or maybe even two, two killers have been killing this amount of people for this length of time and not been caught. The thing that I thought that was interesting as far as true crime garage goes is that we, we never intentionally sat at, s- sat down and intended to do this many episodes on the long Island serial killer. It just kind of came about as new information came out. We covered this in episodes four and five. Mm-hmm. Then again, uh, in episode 20 and episode 74. So this is a case that's been with the garage since season one. Well, and I think one of the things that's really interesting about this is back to your idea of true crime authors. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, if you're into if you're into uh, true crime podcasts, do yourself a favor and listen to a good true crime book, like an audio book. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about that. You know, people are all into, you know, these like, you know, S-Town or whatever or missing Richard Simmons. And those are great productions or whatever, but to listen, you know, I'm listening to the devil's knot now. Oh my goodness. Oh man. That's one of the best true crime books ever. Man. And here's the thing. It's not the author's voice because it's not her reading it. It's somebody else reading it. Uh, It's a worse voice than you. But the author is, is Mara Leverett. One of the best, one of the best true crime authors out there. Devil's not fantastic. And then we kind of got onto you. Well, you got really sucked into the long Island serial killer case based off of lost girls. Yeah. And that's a book that if you have by Robert Colker, he's a fantastic author as well. Hands down. One of the best, maybe one of the best books. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the best true crime books. And, and, and I'll tell you what, the long Island serial killer case, I was one of the dorks that was on that, the long Island serial killer.com website for years, mm. listening to all these trolls bash each other. And it, it was crazy because you'd, you'd have this community of people that sounded like they wanted to get together and work to try to solve the case. It was basically like web sleuths, mm-hmm. except for it was very specific. It was only going to cover Long Island serial killer. Right. What ended up happening after you found, you know, you get through this year and a half and it was the same, similar to Mara Murray where people had strong opinions about their theories and they were going right. to kind of force them upon you at some point. It got so bad on that website. 
that some of the people were accusing other people on the website of being the Long Island serial uh-huh. killer. <laughs> right. right. That, that's uh, <laughs> that's yeah. always fun to wake up and read, huh? Yeah. Hey, hey. by the way, you're the killer. What? Plus, remember the, the rap that we played on our, mm. on our episode? The, oh, yeah. Because I killed him. You know, yeah. I, I don't remember the words. <laughs> it sounded uh, like a country song. Yeah, but don't do that again. But th- there was some creepy person came up with this whole Long Island serial killer rap that sounded like they were the killer, and they posted it on on the website, and it was just randomly on there one day for a couple weeks, and then they right. took it down. Yeah, well, it was it was a catchy tune though. It was <laughs> it was a catchy tune. That's right, a catchy little number, but it was about these murders. Yeah, that's and and. You know this the, the prostitute that came out and said, "Hey, I think there's, I look, I think there's your original thought was there was really something to Shannon Gilbert going to this like almost like sex party, right? And I think there's or Brewer's house, right? And I think that's where your answers are gonna are, are gonna lie mm-hmm. if they ever get into that and and all this stuff with the chief of the the new police officer that got in trouble and all that stuff." interesting case and that's one that if it sucks you in bye bye in there for a while bye bye see you later you'll get back to us at episode 200 yeah check in when you resurface my number two is brandon lawson oh fantastic um it's very simple it's exactly what you said the nine you are exactly right well thank you when you said i i listened to the tape and and being an audio engineer for years i thought I can manipulate this and I can know what he says and I cut it mm. and it was really frustrating. I don't, I don't hear fear as much as maybe other people do. Uh, I've read almost every post on our blog about what people think he says. Yeah, that was really cool. We had like what 70 or 80 people write in what they think he's saying. Yeah, it was interesting though because when we did the when we decided to do it, you know, th- that's one of the things anytime there's a case, it's can we put a spin on it? If the case hasn't been covered before, we just cover the case. Right. But it's but with all these other cases, it's just what can we bring to the table? Can we bring a different viewpoint? You know, mm-hmm. can we add anything to the conversation? If we can't then we're just not going to cover it. You know, my, my thing was, I think I could dissect this and then we should dissect it live. So I had all these clips that I dissected and then we were playing in it for you and we're trying to get our reactions Mm -hmm. on the spot, which was really interesting. And yeah, everybody would say, Oh, well he's, he's saying this. It's clear that he's saying this, which is good. Calm what? down. We, we wanted we wanted to hear what other ears were well, hearing. Right, right Our now. ears aren't always right, and and the no. the the loss in nine one one tape is, is is just that. If you listen to it ten times, you might hear nine different things. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, you might have a, a different outcome nine out of ten times. Well, what's what's the town he was heading towards? Abilene. Right. We all it's like. <laughs> like we didn't we didn't hear it at the time and we didn't look up a map because we were just trying to keep going and and just you know here's our initial reaction let's see see what happens when we hit record mm-hmm. so yeah we didn't look up a map and then no, that's all i'm saying i i've heard that 300 times yes i know he's saying that now i knew i think we knew after we pushed uh publish on the podcast we knew that oh that's what he said <laughs> you know but 
we're not going to go back and fix that. That so. was a fun night in the garage, though, because we did both episodes in one recording, and we we sat in here and listened to that thing probably four or five hundred times. Uh, and you know, the listeners are probably thankful that we didn't put all four or five hundred of them on the episodes. But right. we we manipulated it, changed it, tweaked it, did everything we could to try to dissect the thing and come up with what poor Brandon Lawson was saying on that 911 call. You know, the editing uh, on the computer sometimes just physically makes me ill. Mm-hmm. And that after that night, it was just like head was spinning. And I just thought, uh, you know, and everybody's going to say, well, that's just too much beer, Captain. Shut up. Uh, no. So, yeah, that's my number two. Number one for me will be the West Memphis three case. Um, again, this kind of falls into the whole Kurt Cobain thing where maybe it, you know, some would argue that it's solved. You know, mm-hmm. we have, we have three guys that took an Alfred plea and, uh, that's going to be the end of it. I, me, that just angers me more. Uh, you know, we, we have three child victims here that were brutally killed. We have three guys that I'm not going to lie to you, captain. I I'm not convinced either way on Damian Eccles in that situation. Were they guilty? Were they not guilty? I think that the, no God. I think that the the take it back. No, I'm I'm saying I'm, I'm, I could be swayed either way depending mm. on what day it is. I, I I see things that point towards their guilt. I see a lot of things that point towards their innocence. The problem I see is that the problem with the investigation that the investigation was mishandled from the get go, right. and I think that's how they ended at, at that conclusion. The problem here is when you give when you let three guys out of prison, but you say as a state, oh, we're letting them out, but they're guilty. What kind of justice is that for anybody? It, it, it's not. It's it's an unsolved case. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think they're ever going to work on it anymore no. uh, because of the state of the case. But I mean, the it's like we said, the Devil's Knot is one of one of the best true crime books out there. And this is one of those cases for me that about once every year, and I, and I never well, know. and the Paradise Lost. I mean, is kind of what is you know the uh, what's. The Godfather of all yeah. true crime documentaries. Yep. You know? Yep. And and for me though, Captain, as far as the West Memphis Three case goes, I never know when or where it's going to happen. But about once or twice a year, it pops up in my mind, and it won't it won't get out of there. I have to. I fall back into that case. Uh, you know, once a year, well, twice a year. It's 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 mm-hmm. always with me. I call it a red light case. You know, when you're sitting on a red light mm-hmm. and just pops into your head. Like, this is what happened. Pull up to a red light. Oh, my God. That son of a bitch killed him. Yep. That son of... They, those boys killed those boys. Yep. The, and, and no, look. And before I get any hate mail, that's what happens. It's just random so, thought. Uh, my random thought will be, what if Damien Eccles did it? And then my brain goes down that thought. And then I got to re collect my brain starts recollecting all the evidence and then i go what if terry hobbs did it what if you know yeah buyers did it and then i go down this rabbit hole for a little bit then i stop it could be a week later you know pull up get in my subway i'll take a italian bmt on on wheat please Oh my God, Terry Hobbs is guilty of sin. <laughs> it's Terry Hobbs, and then and then the other thing about it too is, I I start going, I start just talking like this all the time. I made that moon water. Just Miss Kelly. 
Jesse Miskin. <laughs> no, you're exactly right, though. It's it it's you, you hit the nail on the head. It's a red light case because mm-hmm. it randomly pops in your head, and then you're like, you know what? Damn, I just wasted eight hours of free time looking into this case again, and still have no idea what right. happened at the end of the day. Yeah, and and those. I think we did a really good job. Uh, you know, we bicker back and forth on how the, how the. That's another one. I still we did a good job. We did it, and we you're we, wrong. We did a damn good job. Yeah, but it, the the way the case was supposed to go down was supposed to be uh, the timeline, then the confessions and the evidence, mm-hmm. and then the whole third part was supposed to be discussing the boys mm-hmm. just not discussing the three victims but discussing the west memphis three each individually and we kind of did that and whether they were guilty or not right and so but it's, it's a it, look if you don't know much about that case uh you know it's it's one that will suck you in. and i think a lot of it too is because we were those teenage boys you know we mm-hmm. were the we were somewhat well well, let, let me put this out there. I mean, yes, yeah, somewhat. And, and this just kind of hit me. Um, maybe the, the reason why I'm so fascinated by that case is, or by that case is, is that we're actually both sides of the fence. You know what I mean? That we are the three victims. Mm-hmm. You know, young boys, eight-year-old boys. And what did you do with your eight-year-old friends? You rode your bikes around. Yeah. And where did we hang out? You know, we ride bikes around town and you, you did too. And in the neighborhood In the neighborhood and right in the neighborhood was a Creek. Yeah. Creek, Creek, however you want to say it. That's where we'd play. And that's where we could have died. Mm-hmm. And we were just eight years old. We we're just 10 years old, 12 years old. Just doing that. And how many times did we come across teenagers that maybe wanted to bully some kids, and how many times did we get beat up by those kids? Uh, but that could have turned into, you know, death. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of things, um, as you get older and you dive into some some new interests, music or whatever it is, arts, um, you might not line up with society or the way. You know, I think most teenagers feel like they don't line up with society, whether whether they're in the mainstream or off in some other clique, you know. Um, right, which I understand, but I think also. But we, we did wear the black T-shirts, you know. Well, we're, we're in a rock band. Yeah, so. we, we, Metallica was was pretty much the shit. I mean, come on. Right. Come on. But yeah, I think maybe that's what it is, like both sides of the fence. And then, you know, Jason Baldwin didn't want to take the plea and I still, to this day, I mean, I can't, I'm probably never going to meet them, you know, and they're probably never going to hear this, but it's like, I don't know. There's, there's a part of me that wishes they won and have taken it. Um, and there's a part of me that wishes that, you know, people look Johnny Depp, all these guys did all this stuff in their power to get these boys free, but let's keep fighting that that's one of those cases i just wish was solved mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and I, at, at the end of the day man i wish that case was solved all right so let's go through our list real quick mine i'll do mine first because mine's the best number 10 joey labute number nine matrice richardson number eight johnny gosh number seven kurt cobain number six emma Philipoff, number five 
Adam Walsh, number four, Mara Murray, number three, Brian Schaefer, number two, Brandon Lawson, and number one, West Memphis three. And my list, we got to make sure we put these on the website, right? So people don't have to write them down as they're listening. But we'll do for, something, yeah. For me, number 10, Mara oh, I Murray. Guess, wait, hold on. I guess I'll do something. The, for me, number 10, The Disappearance of Mara Murray. Number nine, our photograph episode. Number eight, Tony Muncy. Number seven, April Tinsley. Number six, The Austin Yogurt Shop Murders. Five, Brandon Lawson. Four, Brian Schaefer. Three, Amy Mahalovic. To the Long Island serial killer and number one, the West Memphis three case. You know, we've done a hundred episodes. Mm-hmm. How the hell do you feel about that? Oh, I feel extremely positive. I mean, when we set out and we first started doing this, we started in my garage and then we moved to your garage. Because mm-hmm. um, I was tired of carrying my equipment <laughs> to your house. And when we recorded in my garage, um, it was for the first few episodes of, of season one, maybe the first handful of episodes. And, um, uh, I wish I would have recorded our fight in your garage, <laughs> but, but no, it's been amazing to me. It's been a, it's been a hell of a ride. It's been a thrilling ride. Um, glad we, it's over. We still keep getting new listeners every day. Uh, we started off with, uh, one listener <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now we're all the way up to, uh, well, no, there's two. We yeah, both listened. That's right. That's right. But, uh, some surprising moments to me, um, would probably be, you know, each week we we're, we're picking a different case mm-hmm. and, you know, I've always been the true crime dork. And so maybe I'm able to kind of review these things and look at them, uh, with kind of a cold heart from time to time. Cause you, mm-hmm. it's tough not to let these things get to you. Um, but the, probably the surprising thing to me is that it's always been very easy for me to read about these things, learning how tough it can be to talk about some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, from an emotional standpoint, um, way back when we covered, you know, it's a few of these cases have hit me very hard. Um, mm-hmm. maybe even thrown me into a, a short bout of depression. Um, because you start to feel like maybe this whole world's just sick and evil. And then you realize, no, that's, that's actually a small percentage of what's going on. Um, but you know, not to recall all of the accounts, but, but when we were researching the Tika Lewis case, the, the young uh, girl that disappeared, in Washington, um, man, that one really, really hit me hard. Uh, borderline like tears a few times during that week, uh, studying that case. So, well, yeah, well, West Memphis three, I mean, you know, having uh, stepsons that I raised for a while. And I just remember, you know, that case being so fascinating. And as far as like the documentaries have always been on, you know, not always, but the, the main focus is on that these boys were wrongly, wrongfully convicted. Mm-hmm. And yes, I feel for them if that is the case. Uh, I, I, you know, I think deep down, I believe that's the case. But you know, eight-year-old kids, and you start reading about that stuff, and I just remember one day just bawling mm-hmm. in my garage, just going, you know, is this, is this worth it? Yeah, you know. Uh, but then excite, you know, but then, uh, you know, we kind of started doing this for, for ourselves, you know, for people, purely, purely for fun, actually. Well, no, but, but for me, it was, you know, I, I would drive to gigs and I was just by myself mm-hmm. driving for two hours. And if it wasn't for people like Adam Carolla 
you know, my life, my quality of life would have been down. Mm-hmm. And so I'd get in that car at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning and be driving home. And wow, you know, I'm, I'm now in Corolla studio listening to Ball Brian, uh, Gina grad, uh, at, at the time, Allison Rosen. And, uh, if it wasn't for them, you know, my quality of life would have been down. And so when we get these messages of saying, Oh, I listened to you at work. I listened to you at my commute. I listened to you. While I cook dinner. I mean, that's to me, it's like, Oh, I, I actually matter. You know what I'm doing actually matters to somebody. Mm-hmm. And we've had times, uh, twice now that our server has gone down Yeah, because the listenership has grown so big. Mm-hmm. And at first <laughs> we had a free plan. We had a free plan. And then the people said to us, Hey, you're too big. You're costing us thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Do a subscription. So we did a subscription paid for that. And a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> crashed. We had an upgrade. And everybody come and going, I can't get your damn episodes. I go, well, uh, so I contacted them and they go, you guys are too big. You need a network server. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll get one of those. And those are proud moments or, or you know, when they write you up at in Rolling Stone magazine or, or you know, you know, I, I wasn't hip to the Congratulation podcast, but when you're such a fan of somebody's work, and uh, he, he says, uh, I've been listening to Murder Garage. I mean, uh, True Crime Garage. Mm-hmm. To hear somebody that you admire say your show's name, that's, that's pretty, uh, it makes you feel like you did something with your life. And I think we all, you know, are capable of doing great things and doing so much more with our lives. And we all have been at the point where you just kind of sit around and just go, this is, I mean, we were both laid off. Mm-hmm. And we both felt like pieces of shit. Falling on tough times. I mean, we're both we're, we both got paid a severance, especially as a musician. I mean, I think you go through these times. You know, I just played in a cover band. Yeah. You know, I'd play in the corner. Most of the time, people wouldn't even clap. You know, so to think that you're just never going to have your chance or you're never going to have your moment to do something great. And uh, we've put a lot of work, a lot of time and energy and, uh, you know, but when those people say, I listen to you or you make my week better, it makes it all worth it. Yeah. So appreciate you guys listening. A surprising thing for me on the upside would mm-hmm. be, you know, you talked about you getting a message or, or, you know, I've, I've got a few messages bumped into a few people and, uh, been told, you know, this, these are the ones that really uplift me and make me feel great is that, you know, I've had people say, you know what? I was going through a tough time or I had a lot going on, uh, that was, that was really bad in my life, uh, you know, bringing me down. And I was able to put on your show for one hour a week and kind of just disappear. It took Mm -hmm. me away from, from whatever was bothering me. I was able to laugh a little bit. It took my mind away and I was able to take a mental vacation for an hour and you've really helped me through a tough time. Um, and, and sometimes people that have to be away on long trips away from their family, um, you know, uh, speaking of which I, I got a good friend that's in the air force. He's over overseas right now, serving mm, his cheers. country. Cheers, uh, mate. Yeah. Big shout out to my friend, Ryan, uh, praying for you, buddy. Wants you to come home, um, all in one piece for us. And, uh, mm-hmm. we thank you for your service and your sacrifice. Uh, we miss you. Uh, but it's, it's things like that where people that have to be away well, from their I families that I don't know them. that, ha- that have said, you know, you just the little that you do has, 
has passed the time faster for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's really incredible. But I got a lot of hate early on. I still get a lot of hate. <laughs> <laughs> and tr- truthfully, I mean, it's at first, man, oh, it it bothered me a lot. But I and I think, uh, and this is going to sound kind of cheesy, I guess. But I think it was funny because, like, you know. Especially like when the server went down the one time, I think I was up for 30 some hours mm-hmm. just working on it. And then I'd go to the website and some jackass would be going, shut up, mm-hmm. captain, shut up. Well, guess what? It's my show. Mm-hmm. I'll say whatever I want, <laughs> whenever I want. Don't be a douche canoe. But in the process, it uh, I think made me give a shit about myself a little bit more mm-hmm. and say, well, yeah, haters going to hate. Ainer's going to ain't and uh but you know seriously i mean appreciate everybody listening and telling people and it's uh it's been a fun ride and that's it now we got to gear up for a hundred more well i'm done this is my last one i told you i'd do a hundred a hundred and one with nick only nick's (laughs) (laughs) nick will be back next week i taught him how to record so now, this should I, be interesting. I want to thank all the listeners for giving us our 100th episode because it's 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 because of them that we've had 100 episodes. So thank you guys for giving us our 100 episodes. Thank you, Captain, for all your hard work and uh, that you've done. Thanks over, for showing up. Thank over, you for showing over, up over you know the the span of almost two years now. And no, uh, this guy would come in, work 60 hours a week, sometimes 70 hours a week, and when we're doing a West Memphis three, he was working insane hours but then we recorded almost every night so uh thank you for doing that and somebody right now is listening and they're going these guys are really giving themselves pats on the back god damn right i am god damn right i am so welcome to parts unknown thanks for listening all right we will see everybody back here in the garage for episode 101 next week and until then be good be kind and don't litter Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.